Open up your books, you bad apples. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do the clap. Yep. All right, ready? Three, two, one. Did we get nice. that one on the money? I think so. Wow. Wow. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna start the show. Hello, phonies and bastards, and welcome to the Bad Apple Book Club. Holden Caulfield here. <laughs> Whoa, get off my podcast. <laughs> what I'm did just you saying, do with man. Lucas? I'm just saying, man, uh, the thing about people with eyelids, you know, they just, uh, they're all just phonies, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> this is too much. Oh. I need my host back. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, for anyone at home that was confused, it's just Lucas Nord here. Dipped into a bit of, uh, character work to start this podcast off because i feel like we're just working with such interesting characters through these books and to accentuate them through talking like them may just give you a whole new feel for the book we're talking about yeah that was my plan from the start not a bad plan um Uh, my name's colating by the way yes lucas nord here (laughs) and welcome to the final part of our Catcher in the Rye series from oh, man. the Bad Apple Book Club. Cole, I can't believe we're already on part four. Didn't we just record part one two or three days ago? Or am I thinking of... It seems, you know, seems weeks like ago? It. Yeah, honestly. Um, But how's it going today, pal? Not too bad. Uh, You know, had those leftovers from Thanksgiving um for lunch today so i can't complain some good food uh happy thanksgiving late thanksgiving by the way um agreed to to you and our listeners i hope you guys stayed safe and if you had a gathering uh you stayed six feet apart at all times no contact and you wore those masks as you're eating the turkey legs i Uh, am positive that's exactly what everyone did yeah. Um yeah. thank no, no. happy Thanksgiving to you two, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> Late Thanksgiving. Uh, <laughs> um yeah, I just did it the twenty twentieth style. I've zoomed with my family. We did a little zoom <sighs> zoom thing with uh, all the family members and it was pretty fun. My family and I also did a bit of a zoom thing. Wow. That was Tis the season. Yes, absolutely. Um, very good. Now, before we got into part four of Old Catcher here, did you perhaps have a bit of a recap that you could uh, enlighten us with from part three, just to refresh not only the mind of the listener, but even yours and mine? Yeah, yeah. So part three, he continues his adventures. Um... Most of it is him making his way to the date for Sally and his just mischievous adventures that follow uh, when he's about to go there. Then he goes on the date with Sally, tries to make some human connection, but uh, he just kind of flips out towards the end and, uh, you know, criticizes society and all the phonies and it ends up upsetting her. And then he tries to meet up with Carl uh, Lucci or Luce, 
Um, ah, the debate. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, exactly. He tries to connect with him. It's his like last resort, and he is not able to do it. And yeah, he he really starts to break down. He cries, and he goes on a walk, and he makes it to Central Park to see where the ducks go, and they're all gone. So Holden's like, you know what? I'm gonna try to fall asleep on this bench and get pneumonia while I'm at it. Um, but then he says, well, before I die, I gotta go see my sister. So oh. he just made his way to his sister Phoebe. Wow. In there. Um. Thanks so much for the recap. <laughs> Wonderful job. Um, if I may say too, that uh, that bit with him walking around Central Park when it's freezing in the middle of the night is actually probably the most vivid part I remember. Just him being so obviously morose. He's ready to just freeze to death. You know. Yep. I don't even know that he would get pneumonia. Wouldn't he just die? <laughs> uh, I don't know, but he was sure ready for it. Yes, he um, was. He he's gonna lie down on that bench, and he he definitely thought about it and how everyone would feel about his funeral. And uh, he's already not dressed for winter in the first place, if I'm not mistaken. Did he ever get his coat back from Stradlater in the first part? And we know ooh. for a fact that he's missing his gloves. Yeah, his gloves. Yeah. So yeah, he's. You know, the world just keeps stealing from him, and he's sick of it. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, that that's all I got for the recap. So, um, so into, I'm ready. I'm ready to start this sucker. If you are into part four, we go. <laughs> if you wouldn't mind, uh, here's a, uh, here's a new one. If you wouldn't mind whisking us away, Cole. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, part uh, part. Fear. Uh, uh, what? Uh, for, what, is, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, for the uninitiated, it's the German word for four. Fear. Um, yep. Eins, zwei, drei, fear. Fünf, sechs, sieben, acht, neun, zen. Uh, that's I, all I got. I know which one oct is. Yeah, that one's pretty similar. Is it spelled O C T? Uh, uh This This is a riveting podcast discussion right here. <laughs> I think I can't remember. I think it's A H A C H T. Yeah, A C H T. It's pretty weird. Anyway. Yeah. Um Yep. Catcher in the right part Fiar. And for your weekly German lesson, yes. it's done. That's all we got. Oh, um, much appreciated. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, like like we're saying, part three, he's making his way to the family apartment. And that's where part four, uh, that's where we're going to continue. So, Holden, he finally makes it to his apartment, and, you know, he's trying to be super sneaky, incognito, as he would say to the taxi driver. Oh, yeah, pulling the hat uh, down over the eyes. Yeah, very cool. Very undercover. Oh, yeah. And, yep, he decides to get in the elevator, and the operator, thankfully, it's a, it's a new operator for the elevator. He doesn't recognize him. 
but Holden's like, "Oh, it's okay. I I'm just the nephew of the of the neighbor." Uh, but he says like, this is my family, but they're really just neighbors of his family. <laughs> so he's saying there is his, it, that family, he, that's his nephew, sure. their nephew. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Holden, Holden is their nephew. Um, and, and they're called the Dick Steins. Um, yep. Yeah. Not even going to make a joke with that because I'm going to show how much we have come, uh, how much we're going to mature with this book. You know, this book is about growing up. So Also, uh, low-hanging fruit. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yep. I'm sure the Dick Steins are good f- people and their nephew. I'm sure is, they uh, are. Yep, yep. Um, so the operator, like, doesn't believe that he he's their nephew, like, at all. And Holden, he... Eventually does convince him. He's like, oh, shit, my leg, my leg. And he's like, I really got to sit outside the bench uh, of my family's uh, room here uh, of my aunts and uncles. Uh, but even though there's probably benches all over this lobby, um, he's really got to, like, <laughs> use this bench. He can elevate uh, his leg right on that bench. Yeah. No other bench would do. No. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it works and the elevator guy brings him up to the floor that his family is in and Holden, he still has a key and he opens the door very slowly to his family's apartment because, well, it's a really creaky door and Holden, he's not too worried about the maid waking up because she's, uh, pretty close to death she had a straw jammed down her ear as a kid. Ah. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. That does not sound fun. Um, you, you, uh, this is my argument for paper straws. You can't do that with a paper straw. Nice. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's not a weapon anymore, um, and the turtles can't die from it either, so that's nice. That is nice, uh, and see if I may say, it is kind of interesting that uh, they don't have some sort of, like, made bodyguard that's all the same person, because this lady's deaf, you know what I mean? Like, what if someone was to come creeping into their apartment, you know? Someone should be there yeah. to hear it if this lady's just up smoking all night. I mean, she's uh just a thought. She kind yeah, she kind of reminds me of my dog, you know, like she's she's supposed to be a guard dog. Uh my dog Molly, but she is not good at that at all. Um she doesn't wow. hear people coming up to the door anymore. Huh. Uh but but she's just kind of going deaf. She's just Old doing Molly. her thing. Yep, she's she's living life, you can't deny that. Oh um, yeah. The maid, he's not worried about her at all, um, but he is worried about the mother because she is, I think we mentioned it before, but she's often up smoking at night and she's very uh, nervous uh, just from Allie's death still. Uh, she's still messed up from that. Understandable. And yeah, yeah, of course. Um, it's a very tragic thing. Yes. And, uh, so young. Yeah, um, Holden, he says, quote, 
if you coughed in Siberia, she would hear you because uh, she's just always on alert at wow. night. Uh, she doesn't sleep that much. And Siberia, that's that's a long ways away. Yeah, you know, maybe uh, maybe if you coughed inside like a Siberian prison next to a river or something like that, you know, 1860-something. Crime and punishment. Ba, 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 the end of the book. <laughs> uh, uh, this is a bad apple crossover once again. Bad apple callback. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll actually have to make wow. something for that. And even we got to make something for that. Even if every time it's been me grasping at straws. <laughs> but hey, that's what they're made for: grasping at paper straws, perhaps, <laughs> and not jamming them down ears. No, <laughs> never. Not feeding them to turtles either. <laughs> Yeah, get that out of here. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I'm loving this. You know, we we might find something so small, but we'll we'll find it. To, we'll find something we'll cross over with here. Oh, uh, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Same. Same. Um. But at, he says, like, after about an hour. Of, like, walking across the room because he's just, like, very slowly creeping. And uh, he makes it to Phoebe's room, but she isn't in there. She's actually in DB's old room because it's the biggest room. And it has this big desk where she can write her stories. Uh, he's mentioned that she makes stories where she has, like, a alternate persona and, like, changes up her own middle name. And she also does her homework on this as well. Hmm. Here's an interesting thought. DB, Phoebe. Am I wrong? DB, Phoebe. And then Holden, you know, yeah, the rest of it, Holden just doesn't really rhyme with the, those ones. So No, it doesn't. No. Neither does Allie. Nope. Nope. Um, but... He turns on her lamp and he just kind of sits by her and notices that she looks like pretty cute in her sleep. And he thinks that adults don't look cute in their sleep at all because they often are sleeping with their mouths open or just like making like, uh, you know, noises with their no through their noses. But kids, they seem so calm and quiet when they're asleep. Feeling kind um, of attacked over here. <laughs> oh, are you a loud snorer? No, at night? but I, uh, I'm pretty sure that I sleep with my mouth open quite often. You yeah. know, it just it, it comes with a restful night's slumber. Yeah. Well, guess what? Holden is not a fan of this, and he would like you to stop. Yeah. No, we got to remember we're only. Um, seven years older than Holden right now, and we're probably way too old for, you know, or way too old to be cool to this guy who, you know, um, relishes youth and hates the idea of getting older. You know what I mean? He probably thinks that, like, 15 and 16-year-old people are, like, too old and they're phony already, I bet. Yeah, I don't know, man. Everyone says... Oh, cool. When you're in your sleep, you're so ugly. And uh, everyone. And I. Then they say that it doesn't change when I'm awake either. Uh, Ouch. They say stick to the podcast. Don't do YouTube. Uh, Wow. 
I'm not thankful for that. I can say that much. Wow. Um, I can agree. <laughs> uh, no, nobody's ever said that to me, thankfully. Oh, that's uh, But, yeah, her room is, like, very neat, and it's organized, and she has, like, some pretty nice clothes. Like, she's pretty fashionable. And he starts to go through her school books and notes that she has, like, exchanged with classmates, and he, he just finds it, like, really cute. Like, there's a lot of just, like, funny notes and... Uh, we've mentioned it. She's like done some stories as well. Creative kid. Yeah. Yeah. She, she has like a really brilliant mind like Allie and he decides to light up a cigarette and (laughs) you know, this is like an alarm clock for Phoebe and she wakes (laughs) up. (laughs) She just, she just hears him flick in the back. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, Oh, it's holding. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's smoky boy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so she's just overwhelmed with joy and she gives him a hug. And the way Phoebe is, like, it might be like 2, 3 a.m., but she just goes on and on about her life. And she starts talking about, like, this place she's going to be in where she's going to play Benedict Arnold. And, um, she just keeps going on and. But she does notice that Holden is home a bit early from Christmas break. And um, she also mentions that their parents are currently at a party. I believe it is Sunday or Monday at this point in the book. And he's not supposed to be home till Wednesday. Yep. Yep. So she's also very observant. Um because she knows that if Holden fails out of this school, well, her parents are not going to be happy. So, Holden, he's got to go incognito here still, because they can come home at any minute. Right. And she starts to rant about a movie she saw, and Holden is like, the whole time, he's like, hey, what what time are they going to be home? Uh, and she just keeps on going on about the movie. But then... Uh, Eventually, she does say, yeah, they won't be home until, like, very late. Maybe this is, like, the first time we interact with the parents and, like, just the fact that they're out partying. Maybe shows that they aren't that involved with their kids. I don't know. I could see something like that. They don't really play that much of a role in this book at all, like, physically. And so... Holden, he shows her the record he got her, and it's the one that he dropped and it, like, broke into a thousand pieces but he still picked them back up and uh she's i thought this was really cute she says oh i don't care just give me the pieces i'm saving them and she like grabs all these pieces and like throws them into a drawer that's a little phoebe for you yeah she's she's nice probably one of the best well she is like the best like supporting character in this i would say in my opinion so yeah phoebe she's like very glad he's home but at the same time she is still wondering why he's home so early and holden he tries to get out of it but she knows what's up she knows holden's like uh grades aren't too good and he's not that great at school and Eventually, she just starts freaking out, and she starts hitting him, and (laughs) he says, quote, if you don't think that hurts, 
you're crazy. Uh, <laughs> unquote. Uh, once again, too, not just uh, not just because of Holden's usual habits with school or whatever, but I would also say that Phoebe just knows because she seems like a pretty smart kid. And, you know, yeah, Holden she's... is talking her up the whole book, and now we're actually getting to meet her, man. Yeah, the... The hype has delivered. She is, <laughs> you know, yeah, gonna go see old Phoebe, but exactly like she's very intelligent. Um, you know, I don't think, well, I don't know. She can tell like, that just he's the, a bit off too, I bet. He hasn't slept, yeah. it doesn't seem like, in whatever, like three days. Don't actually know. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but it shows a lot about her being more responsible than he is, you know, like yes. wondering like, why, why aren't you at school right now? It's like, it's like his mom talking to him, yep. but she just keeps on saying like, daddy will kill you. And like, uh, she keeps, you know, they go back and forth, but she just keeps ending with daddy will kill you. And she pulls a pillow over her head. And, you know, when kids do this, there's no... There's no break in it. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> when I did this, uh, it took days for my parents to get me from out of the pillow. They had to get the jaws of life. <laughs> yeah, they had to get my cat Harry, yeah, and they go. unleashed the they unleashed the beast, and yep. he started attacking me. And I Unleash, said, "Okay, unleash the beast." Holden, you know, he knows it's kind of game over, but he tries to comfort her and. He's like, don't worry, I'm going to go on a ranch in Colorado and be a ranch hand. It's going to be okay, I'm going to go out west. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got a plan. But she ignores him because she knows it's kind of bullshit. <laughs> so he gives up and he goes to live to the living room to smoke. But then he's like, oh, I don't have any cigarettes left. So he goes back to Phoebe's room. And Phoebe, she's... Uh, recovered she's not hiding under her pillow anymore but she's still pretty flustered about this and she starts picking at holden because you know he wants to go to this ranch to be a ranch hand but she's like you don't even know how to ride a horse like (laughs) and then uh, naturally (laughs) hasn't he ever played polo before holden seems like Uh, the kind of kid that's played polo before yeah, and go to all the races and everything. Sure. I'm sure he'd love that. Big horse guy. Big horse yeah. guy. <laughs> Just like uh, Raskolnikov. Big. Uh, whoa, now that was a deep <laughs> cut. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yep. And so... Um, she's like, I know that you're not, you're not going out West and you probably just failed all of your subjects. And then Holden, he always brings this up. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Now I passed English. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not completely unredeemable. (laughs) Yeah. And it's only because I took the English class, uh, last year at the last school I dropped out of. (laughs) Same curriculum or whatever. (laughs) Yes. Same stories. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet part two. <laughs> uh, yep. Um but he is actually good at English. Like um it's just with everything else. He doesn't put effort into it. And so she then asks again, like, why, why did you drop out? And then he goes on a rant and he says that the school was full of a bunch of jocks and 
you know, there's this one guy, Robert Ackley, is full of pimples and he was just so ugly. And, you know, anyone that would try to like enter the, he, he would try to like enter the, these rooms that were near uh, their room and they would just close the door on him because he wasn't popular and they'd lock their doors, which is pretty mean. Yep. Um, but Ackley would probably be like, can I clip my toenails in your room? Yeah, or you something a pair of scissors like that. around here somewhere. Holden, he just keeps on going on his rants. And uh, once he's done, Phoebe, she just calls him out. And she's like, well, Holden, maybe you hate everything. Uh, maybe you hate schools. Like, you hate a million things. Um, and she asks him to, like, name one thing he actually likes. And he sits there and he tries, he thinks like super hard and he almost like bursts a vein in, in his head. Like he just can't think of anything. Um, and then he's like, he says, quote, one thing I like a lot or like just one thing I just like. Uh, <laughs> one thing I can, you know, moderately stand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess I like the movies, but I, I really hate them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so as he's like trying to think of something he likes, he go at this point in the book, he is going on tangents. Like he uh goes on tangents all the time but he is going on tangents quite a bit here towards the end and he starts to think about the nuns and this kid he knew from school that was named james castle Ah. um and this is a pretty messed up story but james he was a very skinny quiet student and and he called uh another student um just like on the some like uh, some of his own bullshit and he called him out and this dude was kind of a crappy guy and this group of guys that this other guy um that james called a name they're like all right james uh you're gonna take that back all right but James, he wouldn't do it. So they went into his room, they locked the door, and started doing unspeakable things. Uh, Holden doesn't even describe what it was. And as soon as the guys like started to back him in the corner, uh, this James, he jumped out of the window and kills himself. And Holden says, quote, his teeth and blood were all over the place. Whoa. Yeah. Really brutal scene. He had on a sweater that Holden actually gave him a day before. Holden, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't about to give this dude his sweater. But after this event, like he, you would think he'd be angry about all the blood on it. But he, you know, he's not absolutely. I think this is another thing that just kind of set him off about society because the school did pretty much nothing. They expelled the students, but they didn't go to jail. Yeah, this scene just really shows a lot about Holden, these tangents he goes on. We learn a lot about him, and this is one of the scenes that really made him cynical about jocks and just kind of, you know, people in society that are just awful. No redeemable qualities. Right, and... He's always going off on these tangents about this, that, and the other thing, but, I mean, they're usually left hooks, you know, just because he's talking about something completely 
off subject when he's right in the middle of doing something, but this one particularly obviously stands out because it's so graphic, but it's also just kind of interesting, you know, the further into the night he gets, it gets a little more intense, his uh, things he's thinking about anyway, you know what I mean? And isn't he still uh, yeah. hanging out with his sister right now, and he's thinking about all this stuff? Yeah, this whole time he's thinking about this scene, trying to think of one thing he likes, Oh, and, wow. And this is where he ended up. Yeah, like his mind just went crazy, but eventually he does snap back to his senses and he says that the only thing he likes is Allie. Hmm. Yeah, that's the only thing he could think of, uh, which really shows a lot. It does. Because Allie, he's just like the anti-phony, the anti-crook of society. He was just this pure person that you know holden loves so much perfect but you know he's just the complete anti-adult world where there's a lot of corruption and all that and and then he's like well i guess i do like being with phoebe as well (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, you know what you're okay but now Uh, (laughs) now db's over in hollywood being a prostitute writing writing for big time movies on the silver screen so I guess, yeah. I'm not sure what we think of DB, I guess. He likes DB. He just wishes he would be writing for books and not movies because he feels like his writing would be much more appreciated ah. in if it was actually written into a novel or magazine or whatever. I could see that. Yeah, because writers, they don't get enough credit in the film industry. Oh, of course. We remember the writer's strike of The Office when they had to pause it for a while. That show is all about the writing. It has some really good writing. Oh, yeah. And it's pretty funny, I guess. Um, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> so Phoebe, she says that you can't like something that's dead. Holden, he doesn't like this, and he says that he can keep liking them if they're dead. Uh, and he says, quote, especially if they were about a thousand times nicer than the people you know that are alive, unquote. Hmm. So that just gives you a huge perspective on how he feels about most people he's surrounded. I could see that, you know, I mean, he's had a lot of bad interactions through this whole thing here, but uh, his brother is almost like some kind of a martyr. Not only, you know, did he have this perfect little brother in the first place, you know, he... I guess I don't really know how to explain it, but like you were saying earlier, just the image of anti-adultism. Is that a word? Doesn't matter. But then he's almost made into like a martyr when he dies because Holden has this image in his head. And of course it ended so tragically that it's not going anywhere anytime soon, so... You know, it's probably kind of hard not to compare everything to that when he probably already has a chip on his shoulder in the first place growing up. And then he's just got this perfect reminder right there that's always, if it's not in the front of his brain, it's in the back of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think uh, you brought up a really good point about Allie being like a martyr. And I think there's actually a quote uh, that I added towards the end here that kind of touches back up onto that. Very nice. And uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's added in there. I'm really hoping it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. He he still thinks that Allie is, 
it, he still has a huge impact on how Holden thinks about people. Like he's the ideal person. Basically, he tries to think of like occupations he would like because he's trying to think about his future. And he says, "Well, you know what I'd like to be. You know that song, if a body catch a body coming through the rye." And so I mentioned it earlier, but a kid was singing this on the street. The dirty kid. The dirty kid, and he's about to get hit by cars because he doesn't have a care in the world. And he's singing this. But once again, Holden does not memorize it, or he hears it wrong. And Phoebe's like, "Uh, what the... Holden, what the hell? It's uh, if a body meet a body coming through the rye. It's a poem by Robert Burns. And then Holden's like... I know it's a poem by Robert Burns, of course. <laughs> I love Robert. <laughs> Once again, this whatever seven-year-old child is just pulling these facts out of thin air, and that's just that's pretty crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it's Robert Burns. <laughs> yeah, I love him. <laughs> But it is interesting. This is, if you guys can't tell, this is where the title's going to be explained here. But Holden, he explains that if a bunch of kids are running in this field of rye, and I guess rye is like a pretty tall plant, and uh, if kids were running through it, they can't see where they're going. Right. Kind of like kids without any direction, right? Whoa. Or... Like that scene in that movie without a paddle, when they're running through the pot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you remember. Except for, yeah, yeah, <laughs> except for we don't want the kids to be running through that. <laughs> stick to the we'll stick, Yeah, we'll stick, this is a PG podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Holden, he's like, you know, and I... I would be the only, you know, older person in this rye field. And imagine if it was like on this giant cliff and he would save them from going over the cliff. Kind of like saying, you know, these kids have no direction in life. They're eventually going to fall off the cliff into adulthood. And Holden wants to catch them all (laughs) like Pokemon. Ah. And... You know, just not let them grow up, kind of. He wants to be their savior because he had no guide when he is making this transition into adulthood. Hmm. A catcher in the rye. Very strange. You know, something else I thought of that was kind of interesting, not to get too off track here, but I thought when, uh, in the first part, when Holden described the baseball glove that belonged to Allie with the green pen poems written on it, I thought that uh, they were playing in some sort of a field that uh, Allie would have been the catcher in the rye somehow, but not the case. Yeah, um, I mean, a lot of things do kind of relate to the title, that being one of them. It's an outfield bit. He was playing in the outfield. He wasn't a catcher. Oh. So Holden, he wears his cap backwards like a catcher would. Wow. Yeah, so that's pretty cool as well. But getting back to Holden actually explaining what the title means, I think it's kind of interesting how even though he's still so young and, you know, obviously still hasn't found any direction in the last 30 seconds since he started to describe, you know, what he wanted to do 
you know, as he's describing this to Phoebe or whatever, it's still kind of strange that he wants to help the the younglings or whatever, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, he sees himself as, like, a protector of youth. But he can't really protect himself, you know? Or whatever. Yep, he... It's just his denial of adulthood. He's like, you don't want to go over that cliff. It's terrible out there. Yeah, he just wants the youth to be youthful, like, Uh... and stay that way. So, after saying this stuff, like, Phoebe's still like, what are you talking about? Uh, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, because, like, Holden, you know, he's still in, like, this semi-mental breakdown. Phoebe just keeps on saying, Daddy's gonna kill you. He says that he has to make a phone call, and he decides to call up his favorite teacher, Mr. Antolini. Hmm. Old Antolini. Yep, but okay, so you unintentionally brought up a really good point. And almost every character in this book, he refers to as old, and then their name, but... This is a guy that he respects, so he always refers to him as Mr. Antolini. Well, well, yeah. Uh, if it's all the same to you, we're gonna have to cut that part because I will not be corrected. Okay? <laughs> Seriously, you just gonna you just gonna put me out like that right here, right now? <laughs> um, it's good. It's some good stuff. I, I did think you that was really interesting. No, you know what? I meant to say that. And I meant for yes. you to explain it so that other people would know. Yeah, it was okay. totally intentional. Um, Just had I don't to know say why that, I said okay? it. It wasn't unintentional. Let's get back um, to the show already. <laughs> he always says, like, you know, you can come over whenever, whenever you want. And, like, he says this during the phone call. And so Holden's all right, like, all right, I'm going to go over to Mr. Antolini's house. Holden, he respects Mr. Antolini a lot because... When that student jumped out of the window, pretty much the whole teaching staff was like, all right, I'm going to go home. But Mr. Antolini, he picked up this kid, even though he was a bloody mess. He <sighs> like wrapped him in his jacket and he carried him to the hospital. And that does earn respect. I think Just so. Just going to say right there. Um, so he after he makes this phone call to Mr. Antolini... He goes back to Phoebe's room, and she's playing music, so he asks her to dance. Is it safe to assume that she glued the record back together, and that's what I, she's listening to? That would, that, and that's how dubstep was invented. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Yep. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Skrillex. Yeah. Uh, yep. Wow. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, this was actually Skrillex's grandmother, Phoebe. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yep. Yep. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> He's, uh, but... <laughs> no, wait, that wouldn't make any sense. I want to talk about the, I want to talk about the Captain America kid again at some point, but I guess we'll, it'll have to come up naturally, <laughs> so maybe we'll have to, we'll have to watch the 1990s Captain America before the discussion episode. <laughs> oh, I do. That's a good idea. Yeah. Because <laughs> I have one more film in my film class, and it's going to be Flight Club, but after that... I'm going to do my little own film class on the, on the Captain America 1990s film. Starring Matt Salinger. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> J.D. Salinger's uh, son. Yep. They're dancing. And I, I can't remember what the actual records were. But Holden, he says that Phoebe is a really good dancer. And Holden, of course, starts to smoke. Hmm. <laughs> and Phoebe, she says that she can make herself ha- like have a fever whenever she wants her to wants herself to and uh she's like all right hold in put put your hand to my head and she's like don't worry i'm not gonna burn your hand and then <laughs> holden's like oh it's too late you already burnt it and she's like oh holden really uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it's just kind of a funny scene and then eventually they hear the door open and Holden, he puts out his cigarette. He tries to fan out the smoke. And tries to inhale it all. And then, <laughs> and then he was lungs. <laughs> yeah, it, it filters out. Yep. He hides in the closet. Do you think that uh, if this book took place today? Do you think Holden would be a vape guy? Ooh. Because that would solve all his problems right there. Yeah. I I could see him jeweling, but I feel oh, like wow. he'd do the double take with a jewel and cigarettes. Oh, wow. You know what? I could see him. Jewels definitely heavily targeted teenagers, and I feel like Holden would gladly jewel it up. Especially, you know? he'd probably be jeweling into his 40s just because of how youthful it is. <laughs> Very true. He's like, with my jewel, I'll never grow up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no one will ever take me serious with this thing. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't know if you jewel, that's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, the mom enters the room. And she's like, Phoebe, have you been smoking? And then uh, she has the she has the Bill Clinton response, and she's like, I just took one puff, and then I threw out the window. <laughs> so perfect, oh. MVP here. Yeah. <laughs> After investigating the scene for some time, the mom's just like, Well, I guess she picked up smoking and mm-hmm. just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> like Phoebe the whole time is trying to like shoo her out but the mom's like hmm what's next marijuana Uh-oh. what's next rock and roll music whoa uh, Elvis Presley you got Elvis Ooh. in these drawers whoa. Ooh. that is that is too much scary yeah yeah very um too much too much uh leg moving there too much hip thrusting as well yeah let's let's tone it down there a bit elvis <laughs> yep we'll cut that out for you guys for the listeners at home uh very explicit and you're talking about what's going to be cut <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, just a little joke for you yeah that's fine it's funny it's funny to address it this part is going to be cut (laughs) yep (laughs) i feel like we have that in every episode (laughs) yeah right if you're if you're hearing this this is a peek behind the curtain (laughs) yep we really did debate uh yeah leaving that out yes absolutely (laughs) the mom does exit and holden uh he exits the closet but it's completely dark 
and he just kind of bumps into Phoebe. And then he's like, Phoebe, can I have some dough? I know you're like six years younger than me. Uh, but nope. she's like, sure, sure, Holden. And she gives her uh, all, all or she gives him all of her Christmas money that she was going to use to buy gifts. Oh. And yeah, so sweet. Oh. Um, and Phoebe gives him eight dollars, which is like around eighty to ninety dollars in today's dollars. So it's quite a bit. Eight dollars. Yep. Huh. In today's money, it's about eighty to ninety bucks. I wonder how much Holden started with uh, after he left old Pensy. Mm. Because he does not. I have can't a, think. He he has not a dollar to his name at this point. No, I think he only has two dollars, two to two to four dollars. I think he has right now. Wow. And he's just like, "Whoa, Phoebe, I just asked for two dollars." Um, and then just like. You know, Phoebe just being this completely kind human being that he's been wanting to encounter for the whole novel. We're talking 200 pages. Thinks about calling her a lot. Yep. Uh, he just can't take it anymore. And he actually finds kindness in somebody and he starts to cry. And Phoebe oh. tries to stop him from crying, but he cries for a very long time. Uh, he doesn't give a specific time, but it's just a long time. And on the way out, he gives her his red hunting cap. Nice. Something he treasures very much. And he likes to wear it backwards. Yes, all the time. A style that will, you know, wearing your cap backwards will soon become popular. So he's a trendsetter. Ah. He starts to describe Mr. Antolini because he's about to go there. And he's a little bit older than D.B., and he's a family friend. And he has an upscale apartment that has, like, this bar in it. And it's just, like, pretty cool. Cool. Um, yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. But he also implies that he's a very heavy drinker. He suspects that he's an alcoholic. And so Holden, he reaches the apartment. And Mr. Antolini, he answers the door. And he has this highball in his hand. Uh, do you know what a highball consists of? I thought a highball a was drink? just the shape of the glass. I, I don't know. Oh, yes, uh, no. Um, yeah, that's all it is. It's just one of those normal little, you know, you go to the bar and get a Jack and Coke. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they just scoop a little glass uh, or a little ice into the highball glass. Huh. It is not a drink, I don't believe. Oh, man. He's, he's probably just drinking scotch. On the rocks, maybe, or just drinking it straight. Yeah, I'm not too educated in the um, bar, the drink mixing world. Well, just so I can pin a little flag in my life story as we go through this podcast, I will say... That I've been uh, mixing a few gin and tonics at home lately, so I'm all sorts of bartendy. You heard it here, folks. Mm, um, gin and tonic. We're getting pretty cool here. Yeah, we are. We've been cool. Uh, yeah, I, I wanna. I do want to make get into mixing drinks. I think that'd be pretty fun. Cause I I just go to the store and I buy beer and that's about it. Beer's fun. <laughs> so. 
Beer is fun. Yeah, it's good. When he answers the door with this drink in his hand, it just shows that he's been drinking and it's like three or four in the morning. They enter the apartment and it's pretty apparent that they had a party and Mr. Antolini, he offers Holden a cigarette and asks him about leaving Pensy. <laughs> Different times. Ah, hello. <laughs> hello, former student. You want a marb? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. If I had this in high school, I would have been on the right track, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so Mr. Antolini, he says this, and it's kind of funny. He says, quote, I'll show you the door if you flunked English, you little ace composition writer. Wow. How articulate. Yeah, very. Uh, because he is an English teacher. And I guess Holden is actually... I've mentioned it, but he's actually a good writer. He just doesn't doesn't put effort into it. Mm. And then Holden, once again, he's like, I did pass English, but are you ready for the bad news? I failed everything else. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yep, and but one thing that he really points out is that he failed the speech class. Because... Uh, this is an interesting point, but we've talked about his digressions throughout the novel and his ramblings, which actually actually add a lot to the novel. In this speech class, if you digress too much, the boys in the class would be encouraged to yell, Digression! If you got off track. So when you're up there and giving a speech, it's like, you know, that'd be pretty hard to <laughs> uh, put up with. And... The class, they did this to a real nervous guy, and Holden just feels bad for him quite a bit. Because Holden, he felt when this kid did go on digressions, it was actually some really interesting stuff. Right. But, of course, it wasn't to this teacher's agenda, and the class was encouraged to make sure everyone stays on track. This is just really interesting because Holden, everyone's like, you got to stay on track. You got to go to school. You got to do this. You got to become an adult. And Holden's like, well, what if I want to be a catcher in the rye and take this path? But, you know, society doesn't really like that. They're always yelling digression at you. Yep. This whole book, you could just say digression yep. on every page almost. <laughs> Where do the birds go during winter? Digression. Out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Hold it and get back on track, and then the this whole book would probably be like ten pages. Went to see my sister. Went to my house. She was there. End of book. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I tried the nightlife in New York City. Yeah. Um, didn't work out too well. Older so. I went to go see my sister, and that was about it. Yep. So, Mr. Antolini, you know he lightly argues with holden's logic he's not completely condescending like old mr spencer there's some similarities with how uh this discussion goes you know so holden he's not too much into arguing right now because he's starting to get a headache like he can't really concentrate at all and he's really tired uh you mentioned it but he hasn't slept for like a day or two at this point so he's just like f almost falling asleep on the couch but he mentioned he is able to stay up a little bit and he says that if something has something to interesting to, to say they should just keep going so 
um after you know mr antolini is like you know you can't digress whatever holden's like uh you can keep going if it's all right interesting so eventually uh mrs antolini she comes in with coffee and this interrupts the argument which holden's kind of thankful for because he's like my head really hurts (laughs) then she goes to bed and mr antolini he grabs another drink and tells holden that he had lunch with his father and that his father is very concerned about holden Uh oh kind of going down the path of uh what spencer was like but I don't know. I, I think Mr. Antolini does a better job at, like, you know, explaining the way that Holden's going here. Right. So, his father, he received a letter from the headmaster, and it said that Holden was cutting class, and then Holden's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, he says, quote, I didn't cut classes. I just didn't attend them or really try. So. Hey, man, he was there. Yep, yep, so he wasn't sleeping in, but sometimes he just wouldn't show up sometimes, Uh, it's okay. Uh, And Mr. Antolini, he lights up another cigarette and says, quote, this is a pretty important quote, and he says, I have a feeling that you're riding for some kind of terrible, terrible fall. Dooming. Yeah, like this inevitable fault. Yeah, he's like, I'm even telling you about it, and there's nothing either of us can do. Well, we'll see here. Uh, He might have a little bit of a solution. And just to kind of paraphrase what he says, he says that uh, Holden will be the type of guy that just goes to a bar in his 30s, and he looks around at everybody at the bar, and he hates everyone there. Holden? Um, uh, Yep. Weird. Uh, uh, this this was the big twist in the story, the big reveal. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, and then uh, Holden, he's like, "Well, I do hate almost everybody, but there are moments where I don't hate people. So because I do like Ackley and Stradlater sometimes. If I mean, you know, just to call back to the first episode, that's uh." That's Toe Knife Ackley and Stradlater with the dirty toiletries that he never switches out or cleans off. He's got old hairs all over his razor blade, dude. Yep, the hunk. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep so, yeah, he he actually does like them sometimes, but, you know, he's he's made it clear that he's not really a fan. Um, And Mr. Antolini, he waits a minute to respond, and it's... At this moment, it's much like Spencer when he's trying to be, like, very stoic. Uh, but then he just kind of starts picking his nose. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and Mr. Antolini, he eventually says, quote, This fall I think you're riding for, it's a special kind of fall. A horrible kind. <sighs> the man falling isn't permitted to feel or hear himself hit bottom. He just keeps falling and falling. The whole arrangement is designed for men who at some time or other in their lives were looking for something their own environment can supply them with. So they gave up on looking. They gave it up before they ever really started. Unquote. Wow. 
So this, it's getting uh, pretty scary. It's getting pretty real. Um, oh, and here's the uh, quote that I said I, I'm pretty sure I inserted, but you made a good point with Allie kind of serving as like this martyr. Mr. Spencer, he writes this note for Holden. He's like, keep this. And the note says, quote, the mark of the immature man is that he wants to die nobly for his cause, while the mark of the mature man is that he wants to live humbly for one. Wow. Unquote. No, that's, yeah. that's cool. I remember that part. So, yeah, uh, Holden, you know, the, the idea of death right now does sound cool. Well, not cool, but, you know, he's entertained it. Yep. The option. But he's like... You know, you you can get through this. You know, you're not going to be able to kind of make your message known kind of thing. Also, pretty interesting. I'm only bringing this up because it may seem very obvious for anyone listening at home. And hey, if you're listening, thanks. Um, (laughs) But, you know, when I was reading the book, I didn't even put two and two together. Holden is talking about being this catcher in the rye, saving all the people from falling off. And then immediately, he's told that he's the one falling. If it wasn't already obvious enough or whatever, but he, uh, I mean, Antolini here is telling him that, you know, he won't even be able to catch himself. Kind of, uh, like I said, obvious now that we just talked about that part 15 minutes ago, but. Man, I'm going to be honest, I didn't catch that. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I didn't catch onto that. Wow. Nope. This has been my profound thought for the episode. No, that's the that's the cool thing about this book is there's so much symbolism. There's every it seems like almost every sentence has a meaning. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's there's nothing there's nothing to trim. You know, it's just like all, almost the whole thing has something to do with the main themes and <laughs> everything else. So it's, it's really cool. I'm glad I could enlighten us both. No, no, that's good. That's that's what the pot, Bad Apple Book Club is about. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Buy a shirt. Um, <laughs> buy a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So Holden, you know, he is listening. He's trying his best to stay up, but he is very thankful for this advice. Like, this is actually some good advice that he's getting. And uh, he keeps the note. And as Holden is, like, drifting off, he's Mr. Antolini, he's wide awake, and he has this, his drink in hand still. This and is about to get interesting. Just, yes. had to, just had to preface it. Another standout part of the book coming up here. Yep. I don't know. I'm curious to see what your thoughts are. Me too. And <laughs> so he tells Holden that if he starts to apply himself in school, he will find subjects that are dear to his heart and that other people are sick of human behavior just like Holden and They've gone through this cycle that Holden's gone through where they're just kind of cynical. And, you know, Holden will learn from his lessons and teach others about, you know, what he's been through. Um, which, it's just kind of like, 
sometimes you just need to hear that. You know, like you're people, there's some people going through the same thing that you're going through right now. And it's just kind of great to surround yourself with them. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Holden is very passionate about some things. Um, it's just a matter of himself applying himself and finding his group. And he also implies that Holden has a like a brilliant mind, just like the rest of his siblings. This was actually really interesting as well. And I totally agree with this statement. And he says, unlike most people who attend school that, you know, are naturally shitty people uh if holden applies himself with this like brilliant wonderful mind that he has he will better be better than any of the phonies that go to college and get their degrees even though they're shit people they have shit work ethic if holden actually applies himself and stays true to himself he will be successful and his mind will grow and holden really likes hearing all of this especially the part about finding his mind and like widen widening it but after this holden he he's been holding in a yawn this whole time <laughs> and he finally yawns <laughs> yep and mr Antolini, he's like you know what it is uh three or four in the morning maybe i should actually go to bed yeah so he gets the couch set up for Holden to sleep on, and they briefly talk about Holden's Mm -hmm. (laughs) ex-lovers. Interesting thing to talk about. Yeah. How's your sex life, Mark? (laughs) How's your sex life? (laughs) And Holden's just like, well, you know, Jane, we played tennis. She she still keeps her uh, kings in the back row. She better. Jane, she kind of annoys me. Or uh, Sally, she kind of annoys me. Didn't go too hot. Last date. And then Holden, he lies down. He says, thanks a lot, sir. You and Mrs. Antolini really saved my life tonight. And I think this is like the first time he's addressed somebody as sir as well. Yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, you know, I, I won't say anything. Yeah, now we're getting to the weird part. Um, So they say goodnight. And Antolini says, good night, handsome. And Holden he doesn't really pay much attention to that. And he thinks about what he said about finding the size of your mind. He really likes that idea. Like, just kind of exploring what your mind is capable of. And he falls asleep. Um, and then he says, quote, then something happened. I don't even like to talk about it. And he wakes up to Mr. Antolini petting Holden's head. Holden, he is very thrown off by this. And he thinks it's a very perverted thing to do. Um, But it's also important to note that Holden is homophobic. Well, we'll talk about it. But Mr. Antolini, he tries to play it cool. And... Holden, he starts freaking out. He does not like this at all. And he says he has to get his bags at the station. And he's fumbling around, gathering his stuff. And Mr. Antolini is like, huh, you're pretty strange. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right, whatever you say, weirdo. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Uh, Just come back. And 
he exits the apartment and so holden he's like waiting at the elevator and this whole time mr antolini is just there kind of watching him uh just kind of being like you're really strange you know that holden (laughs) uh and then Holden, he's like silent the whole time. Then he's like, you know what? I'm really going to read some books about growing my mind. You know, that was really great, Mr. Antolini. Uh, and then the elevator comes and he enters it and he goes down and then says, quote, that kind of stuff has happened to me about 20 times since I was a kid. I couldn't stand it, unquote. Woo. Um, yeah. Only, only one thought that I wanted to pin up top here. Uh, not to call you out, but I don't think that homophobia has anything to do with the reaction to a man petting your head while you sleep. <laughs> but it is it is a known fact that Holden was using a homophobic slur that neither of us had ever heard before in part one or two, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and like throughout the novel... Uh, well, I guess Hol- I'll, I'll say this: Holden's reaction is justified. That oh, is yes. weird. Um, but throughout the novel, he has a very uh, <laughs> shall I get political uh, Reagan approach, where we're just like, "Oh, gays are gross. We're not going to pay attention to them. They're just like other, they're lowly beings, kind of thing." Um, it is kind of a bummer, though, man. This is literally the only person in the whole book that. Uh he's got like a shred of respect for you know yeah yeah very true and i don't know like i've tried to the opinions are so polarizing on if like mr antolini's intentions were good or bad i personally think that uh mr antolini was like very drunk um and he was just taking a trip down memory lane kind of like Ah, this youthful... Oh! Oh, wow. Another another callback, man. Antolini's doing the same thing Holden does to, you know, the other kids. He's like, ah, not a care in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah, like what he is doing with Phoebe. Yep. Um, just kind of... And this is like a wow. family friend as well, too. Wow. So... Um, what an educational podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I, I don't think that Mr. Antolini was trying to, like, do anything bad. He was just, like, you know, like, just kind of, like, touching his head, um, which I would never do. But at no. the same time, um, this dude really does care about Holden and his future. Um, but, yeah, just kind of weird. And Holden, he's hinted at towards the end there that he might have been sexually abused as a kid or something close to it so just shows more that you know he's been through a lot pretty strange part here in the book that's full of strange parts you know what i mean another one of the standouts even though a lot of his interactions don't end very well yeah yep like and you said it well as here like mr antolini He's, like, the first person to acknowledge Holden and, like, uh, give him advice, listen, um, but then he does this. So it's just kind of like, you don't know how to feel about it. No, you don't. He probably, uh, yeah, once again, not to get all 
armchair psychologist, but he probably <laughs> is just kind of a weirdo, you know? And super drunk. Yeah. And those two combined is not good. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm sure we'll talk about it some more in the discussion episode. Yeah, I'll think about it. Lots, lots to break down. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. And so Holden, he, after this, he escapes the apartment and he makes his way to Grand Central Station and he finds a bench to sleep on. He thinks about Mr. Antolini's intentions and he's kind of like, maybe I did overreact. Maybe he isn't a pervert. Um, There's literally no answer that could be satisfactory. You know what I mean? Yep. It's totally ambiguous. Like... It's kind of, you got to make up your mind. This whole ending of the book, you kind of have to interpret it as you think it is. Gosh. Uh, Especially the ending. But we'll, well, stay tuned because it's coming up. So he picks up a magazine and it's like the type of magazine you see in like a checkout aisle. And it's like, is Jennifer Aniston an alien? Buy this magazine to find out. Does Tom Cruise use Botox? Holden, he sees this one guy in the magazine, and there's a guy that has what they call, like, great hormones, you know, just a perfect hunk. And then there's this guy that they say that has lousy hormones, which is super mean, but Holden says that he has more in common with the guy with the lousy hormones. And then he just kind of goes, like, full hypochondriac, and, like, this magazine is, like, how to diagnose yourself for cancer. And he's, like, you know what? I do have this bump in the back of my throat. I have cancer, so I'm going to die here tonight. Wow. Yeah, I'm a doctor, too. If, uh, once again, calling back to, I believe it is part one, kind of interesting how he's telling this uh, lady, I forget the kid's name, but uh, he was sitting next to her on the train and he was talking talking her son up to him, you know. And then he said that he was going to get just a little just a little operation on a teeny little tumor that he's got <laughs> in his brain. You know what I mean? Not that big a deal. But now he's actually yeah. like, I accept death. Yeah. Again. <laughs> As I'm in the train station here. Yep. Uh, and it's going to take me tonight. But I said bye to Phoebe, so it's all right. Ugh. But this is the height of his mental illness, should we call it? His uh, psychosis? I don't know. Something. Yeah, and so he starts to walk down the street, and he feels like he can vomit. And he gets, like, a donut and coffee, and he can't even eat the donut. He says, yeah, if I eat this, I'm going to throw up. And so he's walking down Fifth Avenue, and... He has this really weird feeling that every time he, you know, crosses the street to get to the next block, he feels like he's going to get hit by a car or just like straight up vanish. Um, And he starts sweating profusely. And so each time he crosses the street, he calls out to Allie and he says, quote, Allie, don't let me disappear uh as he crosses the road so yeah he thinks he's pretty close to death here he can't even really navigate the roads and he's trying to have Allie, who knows the realm of death 
like guide him kind of wow yeah he's really delusional at this point and he thinks about moving out west and he thinks about being a pump attendant you know filling up gas and this was really interesting too and he said he would pretend to be deaf and mute oh wow another call back to crime and punishment <laughs> er wait no right uh one, one flew over the clockwork orange yeah that was uh it's all good um but yeah, it's just like uh, Chief, and he has the same reasoning that Chief does. He's just sick of hearing people talk to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like he's just like Chief, where he's like sick of society, and he wants to live in a cabin where he would also marry a deaf and mute girl. We probably should have discussed this at the end of the One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest series. Or maybe in the discussion or whatever, but I bet Chief, uh, I bet he heard the same phrase one too many times, and that's when he finally decided to do it. And I bet that phrase is, you play ball? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And eventually, after being asked that for the millionth time, he's like, you can't even hear what you're saying right now, man. The annoyances of being a tall person. <laughs> uh, I'll never know. You, know, I'm at that weird... <laughs> point where i'm like six two which is like you know it's not like crazy tall but i, I guess people describe me as tall but it's not like where i'm six five and people are like oh yeah you must have been the center you know right because i'm like a point guard's height in the nba which is crazy but yeah yep exactly very interesting that holden just kind of wants to be a recluse just like chief there and he decides to make plans to meet up with Phoebe again and he starts walking to her school and he notices once he gets to the school that it is the same as it was when he went there so another interesting thing where it's like the museum where he's starting to change but the school's the same and he writes a note t telling Phoebe to meet him at the art museum so he can give her her money as he makes his way to the principal's office to deliver the note, he feels like throwing up again. He's like scaling these stairs and he's barely making it. He's like stopping, just almost healing over every time. But eventually he, he recovers and he sees the words, fuck you, Whoa. on the wall and it drives him crazy. So he rubs the words off the wall. He is very upset with this. He doesn't think this should belong in the school, which it shouldn't. It's an elementary school. But I, I feel like there was a couple of those at our school that were scratched into a few mirrors. Perhaps. Yep. And he delivers the note to a secretary, and he says, yeah, she was about 100 years old. Uh, well. so, yeah, but she was very nice. And as he makes his way out of the school, he sees another, I'll refrain, but it is the full word, but it says F you on the wall. And this just makes him even more angry. So yeah, like Holden is seeing all of these messages on the wall, which is F you. And it's just like the whole world is saying this to Holden. You know, it's like society kind of frustrated with him for not growing up and... Holden's just kind of like, 
frustrated with all this. And he eventually makes it to the museum and two boys come up to him asking, Hey, hey man, where are the where are the mummies, fella? Uh that got buried in the in them tunes and all. <laughs> and he says T O O N instead of tombs and Holden just finds this funny. Um It is funny. I like that. And it make yeah. Uh just innocent, you know, yep. something that Holden likes and it's even more funny because his fly is all the way open. Uh-oh. He doesn't really remember well where they are, but eventually makes it to the mummies. And they get to the tombs, and the kids kind of run off scared because it is, like, darker and whatever. But Holden, he finds it very peaceful, and he's, like, at peace for just maybe five seconds, and then he sees another F.U. scratched into the wall. (sighs) Yep. It's just, he can't escape it. Can't even rub this one off the wall either. Nope. Scratched in there. Yep. And he imagines that, well... F.U. will be on his tombstone. Like, uh, once he gets buried, somebody's going to come up and put, you know, a fuck you on the tombstone. Just that final insult to Holden once he dies. And so he goes to the bathroom and passes out once he exits. He goes on a page, like, explaining why it actually made him feel better. Uh, once he passed out, he says, quote, I felt better after I passed out, but he just tries to downplay it so much. And he's like, yeah, I hit my side pretty hard. Ouch. But I'm fine. It's fine. Um, so yeah, he, he's just in a total mess here. He eventually finally sees Phoebe and she has on his red hunting cap and they're like in the entrance of the museum right now. And she's carrying this huge suitcase. Like, uh, I think he said something like the suitcase was, like, carrying her. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Um, and she begs to go with him. And Holden argues that she can't. Um, and this whole time, he's about to pass out again. She starts to cry and says she can't go because, well, y- you got to be in your play. You got to play Benedict Arnold. Nobody can- nobody else can play Benedict Arnold but you, Phoebe. And she refuses to look at him or really acknowledge him, and she gives him back his red hunting cap. And uh, so she's just, like, totally ignoring him. And he asks her if she wants to go to the zoo. And she says, I may or I may not. Well, you know, just kind of like what a kid would do. Very and, proper. Yeah. And they're like outside the museum now. And she runs across the street. And she doesn't even look for cars when she does this. But she makes it across. Holden. He starts to walk towards the zoo because he knows that Phoebe, she's going to like walk to the zoo, but she's going to keep her distance and try to act like she's not looking at Holden. (laughs) And she's just kind of like has this angry look on her face. And they, you know, they they meet at at the zoo eventually. And she still doesn't acknowledge Holden. And she's just kind of, like, following him from a distance. And the sound in the background of the cave is, like, this kid yelling at a bear 
to come out of its cave. Like the whole time they're at the zoo, this kid's just yelling at a bear to come out, come out. And it's kind of like telling Holden, like, get the hell out of this uh, hole you're in, basically. Wow. Yeah. To kind of grow up, you know, or start to, or, you know, change, change your outlook. Um, And they make their way to a carousel, which is playing the same music that Holden heard as a kid. And he says, quote, that's one nice thing about carousels. They always play the same songs, unquote. It never changes. Yep, just like the museum, he likes this a lot. Um, Plus, I mean, just who doesn't like carousels in the first place, you know? Yeah. They're fun. Yeah. Can't remember I've the last on... time I was on one, but, you know. Uh, yeah. It was probably within yeah. the last 15 years. <laughs> uh, it was the last... Uh, six months for me. Oh wow! I'm glad yeah. to hear them. I love carousels. You know, they always play the same songs. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, and I, I actually have a couple home videos of me on the carousel, uh-huh. and I look like I'm having a good time. Wow. Wow. Yep. Yep. Um. So Holden, he convinces Phoebe to ride the carousel, and he sits on a bench to watch her. And there's a gold ring that kids can reach out to during the ride, and he's kind of scared for Phoebe, because it's kind of risky to reach out for this gold ring that's, like, on this post. Because, like, they're riding around, and they can, like, reach their arm out and grab this thing. And... Holden says, this is probably one of the most important quotes uh, of the book. And he says, quote, if they want to grab for the gold ring, you have to let them do it and not say anything. If they fall off, they fall off. But it's bad if you say anything to them, unquote. Hmm. So falling. Yeah, he's taken this transition to where he's going to be more of an observer of youth and trying to stop people from growing up, uh, which is huge because Phoebe, she's on this thing, but he's kind of accepting that, yeah, Phoebe's going to grow up, but, you know, it's kind of a beautiful process for somebody to grow up. They, they're going to have to learn. They're going to have to fall off. You just can't really be yeah. there to guide them. To They're going to have to learn on their own, basically. Yeah, I can't do anything about it. Yep. Like, growing up is something that you're going to have to navigate yourself, uh, mm-hmm. even though it's hard. Anyone listening that hasn't grown up yet, good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm, I mean, our brains are still developing as... Twenty-three year old males. Well, uh, one of our brains is still developing. I've, I've had the uh, the one hundred percent brain since day one, baby. That's what the doctors called it. <laughs> they said this is baby brains right here. Yep. Yeah, yep. No, must be nice, man. It is. Uh, yep. Grew up a bit too fast, one may say. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so Holden, a lot of people say that Holden doesn't have, like, uh, a transition, or he doesn't have this character arc, but I feel like this one quote just kind of, you know, argues that. 
Uh, he's he's still this cynical person, but uh, he's kind of accepting a lot of or rejecting a lot of his theories. So Phoebe, she gets off her horse and tells Holden, she's like, I'm not mad at you anymore, Holden. And it starts to rain and she grabs his red hunting cap from his coat and puts it on his head. And it, he says, quote, it damn near killed me. Unquote. Oh, so cute. Yep. Uh. And she makes him promise that he's going home after this, and he says he will, and he actually means it. And it starts to pour, and Holden, he just chills on the bench with his cap on, and he says, quote, it really gave me a lot of protection. Unquote. So his cap is always kind of like this thing that protects his individuality, even from a drowsy day and he's just so happy to see phoebe go around the carousel and she just keeps going on this thing and she keeps going round and round and he just thinks it's so great and he starts to cry oh and so that's how the 25th chapter ends and and so the 26th chapter is just the page and it describes what he has done since uh since that moment and he says afterwards he goes home and he gets sick but he's kind of you know he's kind of gray about what sick is like what does happen and he says that he will be going to school next fall but he doesn't really feel like talking about it he gets asked if he will apply himself actually this time around when he starts school but he doesn't feel like talking about that either uh so moral of the story nothing (laughs) yeah like he talks about all these things that he might do and he might apply himself which i i honestly think that it's him hinting that he's gonna start doing something but he doesn't want to admit it (laughs) (laughs) so uh and then he says that he regrets telling the story and says he even Mrs. Stradlater, Ackley, and even old Maurice. Old Maurice. Yep. So he ends the story by saying, don't tell anybody anything. If you do, you start missing everybody. Unquote. Okay. Um, Yeah. Have a nice night. Goodbye. Or wait a second. (laughs) Sorry. No, sorry. Got a little ahead of myself there. Um, Yeah. With that, we end part four of J.D. Salinger's classic. Uh, J.D. Salinger, father of famous actor Matt Salinger. <laughs> the classic, The Catcher in the Rye. The OG Captain America. But yeah, this ends the book. This is it. Um, and that last quote is like really interesting because, you know, he doesn't really admit that he misses people or admires that many people, but then he's like, he still has that cynical thing where he's like, yeah, I regret telling this story and you don't want to let out your feelings, but uh, I miss everybody. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, happen. you know, yeah, it does show a transition, even though he is still this cynical character, but we can definitely break that down some more next week. Yes, in our discussion episode, because there is a lot to pick apart here. Even, I mean, even as we just finish part four here i've said it before with 
many of the books, just talking through them. I It's a whole new story to me, and this one is particularly interesting because I did enjoy reading through the book, but I swear, it just kind of seemed like a bunch of vignettes, you know? He goes here and does this, he talks about that, he calls this person up, and then it just ends, but... That still is what it is, but there were so many things that I was just completely missing out on reading through this one myself that, like I said, I mean, that's what the discussion is going to be for, and I think it'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. It's one of the heaviest books as far as themes and symbolism go, um, but yeah, it's just like it's just like Seinfeld where, yeah, sure, it's a show about nothing, but it's great. Uh but there's actually more content here and more, <laughs> you know, the characters are better or more likable than they are in Seinfeld because um, they're all, you know, the, the the formula of Seinfeld is like, oh, they're such terrible people and uh, it always bites them in the ass towards the end. It does, episode. but they're so lovable too. Yeah, yeah, but just to the rest of New York, oh, yeah. they're terrible. They, you know, they're a bit of a menace, just like Holden might be. Wow, what a, what a comparison. They even, yeah. the Seinfeld 4, the quad, what would that word be? Don't really care, actually. Um, <laughs> they're all in New York, too, so I mean, who's to say that uh, Holden didn't grow up into Kramer? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> ass man. Yep, ass man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i could see it uh, kramer he's he's goofy just like holden he is goofy. um <laughs> oh man yep just uh don't put him in a stand-up club whoa uh, yep do not um, do not watch the michael richards stand-up video at the laugh factory do not <laughs> It, it it will not uh, give you laughs. No, nope, it's not, not very funny. Uh, he's wonderful as Kramer, but enough of that. Enough of that baloney. Yep. Um, was yep. there anything else you wanted to say before we officially, uh, you know, tie a bow on not the whole series of A Catcher in the Rye, but at least the breakdown of the story? Cole, is there anything you've just been itching to say since part one or anything like that? Um... Yes, I hope this was a juicy turkey for everybody out there. Um, You're talking about the series? That's it. Yes. I would say I, it was. I, yep, a little post-Thanksgiving uh, gift. Yes. Yep, yep. <laughs> that's nice. it. Yeah, we're recording this the day after Thanksgiving. Just, I mean, you know, we got another 364 until the day itself or whatever, but we'll get there. Yeah. I suppose Thanksgiving actually doesn't work like that because it isn't an actual date. No, but it's, it's the day before Black Friday. So stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's how the pilgrims decided. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like, ooh, we can get uh, some deals on this lobster. Who votes? Uh, Who votes that we call it Black Friday Eve? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Oh, that's just that's just good fun. Wow. Yep. Yep. That's all I got, buddy. So thank thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this series, and I hope we did it justice. I know that it's one of the best books of all time. Um, 
But we're going to discuss it some more uh, on the next episode. If, so, If I could real quick, I guess I'm not really one to judge being half of the show here. But I said it before and I'll say it again that you just did such a wonderful job uh, compiling what I, like I said, what I thought was just this weird collection of stories. You really made it very concise. So uh, rats off to you, you know, good job. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I remember uh, when I first, the first page I read of this book, I was like, holy crap. Yep. How am I going to summarize this? This dude's, uh, he could be talking about the movies in one part here, and then he goes talking to old Jane. Yep. Uh, like, uh, it's just, yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, that's what, uh, sparks notes helps a lot there but i do i do go through every page and pick out stuff i like so very nice a lot of a lot of hard work going on over here but it, it shows. pays off it pays off here so um i suppose if i could say real quick uh if you did want to buy a shirt it's less than a month till christmas day um and we still got a few of them um there was other things to say. Oh yeah, follow us on the Instagram at the Bad Apple Book Club, and uh, I suppose it's about time to pull the curtain off of the next book that we're going to be covering. Yes, please. Have you? Uh, before we talk about it, have you personally dug into it at all? I'm pretty sure I've read this book, but is in elementary. I know for sure that I have read. It's going to kind of spoil it, but I have read uh, the BFG, obviously. Ah, I uh, remember the BFG. Yep, and a few other ones, but please, please, uh, please tell us. Um, the next book we're going to be covering, you know, so far, what kind of protagonists have we been following? An axe murderer with an unstable mind, a, you know, serial rapist, a... Uh, a guy with a real wild streak. We followed Frank Cotton in The Hellbound Heart, you know, Holden Caulfield, even though he's our, I won't call him our most stable character, but he's clearly, you know, he's never hurt anyone as far as we can tell. He's just going through some rough times. Once again, kind of like a, kind of like a Raskolnikov minus the murder. But this next one we're covering is really going to cap it all off with depraved protagonists that we're following through books. Uh, because our next series for the Bad Apple Book Club will be the Roald Dahl classic, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yay! No, wait. Is it Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? I always get them mixed up. <laughs> we're going to be covering the I think the, the book Depp is movie. Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're going to do a critique. We're, we're going to be it's, covering it's some Charlie. book that I picked. I don't really know what it's called, though. Um, yeah, we will be covering Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, later adapted into the, you know, most famous movie of all time, maybe with Gene Wilder. Um, and I will always remember him grabbing that like chocolate flower off of the, off of the plant and then taking a bite out of it. I believe it is in the Gene Wilder one and something about I mean, just the whole factory is so interesting. Um, Like I said, just a bit of a joke there. We're going to be taking a complete right turn because we have been unintentionally covering some crazy characters. But of course, 
you know, you don't want to read some book about some guy that... Uh, Old Joe Schmo. Yeah, really. Um, but this next yeah. one, it's going to be a little lighter, and it'll probably be a much shorter series. Uh, who's honestly to yeah. say? I'm not even more than 15 pages into the book, so you'll know when I do. <laughs> yeah, so tune in. Tune um, in. Yeah, yep. And if you are in Europe, uh, got a couple buddies over here. Get in contact with me. I got a few shirts. Um, not too many in supply. We're doing a. We're just kind of testing the waters. So yeah, just just let me know. Or yeah, just get in touch with the uh, podcast Instagram maybe if you wanted to. You know, um, they're really good shirts. Obviously. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. Um, boop, boop, boop. But uh, I suppose if you had nothing else to say, then I'll just uh, tell everyone out there. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Be safe. Uh, and take it sleazy. Nice. Take it. Um, uh, good night, you bastards. Ooh. Right, everyone. <laughs> Have a good one. Trouble with that podcast, you call me. Of course. You know. Oh yeah. I can always do nothing with it. <laughs>